0: On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we're podcasting from a universe where Rick, myself, is a successful Hollywood filmmaker and David is a top basketball coach. That's right. We saw Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Get your popcorn ready.
1: It's time. The fate of the multiverse depends on us. No pressure, then. Enter the multiverse and experience the biggest ride of the summer about time you showed up. Look out! You're welcome. Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange, rated PG-13.
0: See the mind-bending phenomenon in theaters everywhere now. Welcome, all you good movie buddies, to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us, as usual, is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how are you doing today?
1: Wait, I'm not a top basketball coach?
0: No, you are. I mean, oh, you are okay. a top college
1: uh, okay. All right. all right.
0: I didn't. I didn't. In, in all fairness, I didn't uh, discuss with you what your multiversal self would be doing. Okay. So okay. I just kind of right. took your coaching to the next level.
1: Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm doing. I'm doing great. You know, it's state track week, Oof. so I'm a little uh, a little busy. Yes. Uh, a little preoccupied in my thoughts about everything but you know what was great is it was having this movie to get amped up for and go see last week on thursday we're recording this on a wednesday or thursday morning i guess or yeah anyways whatever day it is and so you know having that as a distraction was great we're halfway through the state meets the saturday second day so uh yeah i'm doing great we're we're having a great state meet i'm excited for that and uh excited for the mcu and what what we got in uh dr strange
0: oh man i mean and first off shout out to the to the to the youths that you coach who may or may not be listening to the podcast Uh, i will try to watch my language for y'all um but yeah man i mean fact of the matter is we haven't done a podcast in a while life has been busy professional life has been busy you know the life outside of this wonderful little hobby that we have has been absolutely swamped and we we obviously we got to clear out for the next big mcu movie i mean honestly this might be just what like the movies are nowadays is is mcu movie coming in raking in 180 85 million dollars and we're here to talk about it but I was absolutely stoked to see Dr. Strange. Um, I'm going to see it again this weekend for my birthday. And I had a great time with it. Now, before we get too deep into the conversation, obviously we like to talk about, especially with Marvel, a little bit of a recap on how we got here and whatnot. A little bit of a recap on the last Dr. Strange and whatnot. So I think it's probably pretty safe to say that there are going to be spoilers for WandaVision, Loki, and Spider-Man No Way Home at a minimum. There's no guarantee that they will will talk about all of those, but those are all the ones that kind of directly lead into what we're talking about here and then obviously, you know, Infinity War and Endgame and things of that nature. But um I mean David, you know, you and I have been keeping up fairly you know, consistently With the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether it be via film or whether it be via the television show. So how do we get here? I mean, obviously, WandaVision. Let's start with WandaVision because Wanda is a big part of this. So recap real quickly where we, if if you can remember. Now, here's the question. Do you remember? Obviously, with Doctor Strange, we remember. Where we left off with WandaVision.
1: Yeah, so WandaVision, obviously, we spent our time. I can't remember the name of the, the city. Westview that we were in Westview? Westview, Westview. There you go, but you know, kind of in our progressive uh, story, going through the different decades. Uh, but Wanda had this basically this city she had taken over, right, um, and was controlling with her mind. Um, that also included two sons that she created um, again with her mind, and also. Kind of resurrected vision with her mind in that sense. And so, um, went through that and kind of the eventual breakdown of that whole situation. And in that process, lost her sons, lost vision. Although, you know, there is a white vision out there somewhere, we believe. Yep. And uh, the argument
0: that they were ever really real.
1: Exactly. Know, and obviously, that debate of were they real, were they not, you know, obviously to her, they very much were. And You know, we end that series with her somewhere out in the middle of uh, the sticks, in a cabin in the woods, uh, going through the uh, the dark, the dark hold book, and uh, doing some studying because our friend, uh, what's her name? What was our uh, friend in Wandavision? Agatha. Agatha, kind of got her introduced to. You know, obviously, who we believe is Mephisto, maybe, or or something <laughs> like that. But regardless, those dark, the the dark arts, and uh, the dark hold. And so, she's in there studying up a storm, and that's where we left her off in One Division.
0: Yep, and I mean, obviously, then you know we got to talk about Loki. Straight up, just decided to break the universe, break the timelines open. No way home. Fractured it even further. There's all types of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, discourse or whatever. Some people are, are are unhappy with like, oh, Marvel is saying that Loki caused the multiverse and that, oh, but then Doctor Strange caused the multiverse or Wanda caused the multiverse or whatever. I tend to think that they all just are happening relatively at the same time and therefore we're in the multiverse now. Like that, the multiverse exists and that's all that really matters. Um, but also. We have the original OG Doctor Strange. Um, I really like the last Doctor Strange. It's actually low key. I mean, I'd have to I'd have to pull up my rankings real quickly here, but I always remember really liking the first Doctor Strange. One of the biggest reasons I liked it was because that the way that he he ended the film, the way that he beats um, Dormammu, Dormammu, I've come to bargain, um, is. He did it by by an act of sheer will. Doctor Strange is actually in my top 10 right now um, without, I think, some of the newer movies. But he did it through act of sheer will. He did it by taking, I'm going to take the most punishment over and over and over. And I'm going to commit to that to save the world. And I really dug that. I thought that that was a really cool part of that whole movie. I thought it was a unique way to handle a, an insurmountable villain. Um, I love the 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 way that, you know, the mirror universe was depicted and all of these, or the mirror dimension, excuse me, you know, the way that magic was depicted and Scott Derrickson was the director of that and Scott Derrickson comes from a uh, horror background. He's primarily known as a horror director. Um, He's got, I think the black, the black phone coming out later this year with uh, Ethan Hawke looking like a total creeper in it. But how did you like Doctor Strange? Not only in the first movie, but like his involvement in Spider-Man, No Way Home, where he was kind of like this annoyed babysitter some of the time. Where does, where does Doctor Strange rank as a character, last movie, things like that?
1: Yeah, I, I think he's, I've always enjoyed Doctor Strange um, in what we've gotten thus far. Um, and so, you know, I enjoyed the first movie, to your point, I think uh, I think that fight with, with Dormammu and and kind of the resolution is is one of my favorite kind of climatic uh, scenes of kind of those uh, introductory films or the ones that are kind of those first first we see this character. You know, if I think back, it, it may even be my favorite, actually, as I as I sit here and process um, as far as an actual sequence, not necessarily that it's my favorite of the introductory films but like as far as like the climatic ending to it like it might be my favorite resolution because if we compare it to like hulk or thor or even iron man like i don't know that i enjoy them it was such a fun scene from that standpoint so i really enjoyed the first strange um i think peak strange for me was him and tony going back and forth in the avengers movies like, just that dynamic, two alphas and two very witty, sarcastic people going back and forth with each other was just peak, peak entertainment uh, when it comes to Strange. So I really enjoyed that. Um, what was the douchebag uh, comment in the line? Do you remember that line from uh, Avengers?
0: Uh, just It was just something... <sighs> I don't even remember, you know, they, they were just running it back and forth where he's like, "Oh, I was just trying to save you or trying to save the universe or whatever. Asking him how he can fit all of that ego into his suit. Like all that kind of just I, and that's the other thing is like Tony Stark never really had anybody to push back on his ego before. And Doctor Strange is actually a really fun foil for that.
1: It was. Uh, he says. I think Tony basically asks, is, "Where have you been?" or "What have you been doing?" And he says, it's "Protecting your reality, douchebag." Oh yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> which supposedly, which supposedly was improvised by Cumberbatch. So, uh, props there it. on that. But one of my favorite lines from the Avengers movies. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as his involvement in Spider-Man, No Way Home, um, you know, obviously, I think it was necessary in the sense of if you're going to go that route of kind of resetting Spider-Man to some degree um, you had to involve someone with the mystic arts and sure, you know, I don't, I don't know that Wanda was in a place to uh, be that helper. And so for us, it's really right now, it's pretty much the only other option is strange, unless you're going to introduce a character just for that. And so um, obviously they had a loose connection or a connection from the Avengers already. So it would make sense for someone that, peter might go to in that sense um absolutely you know i think you know mileage may vary with with what they did at the end of that um obviously it you know was our first step into the multiverse i think the other thing to remember is obviously originally this movie the dr strange movie was supposed to come out before spider-man um so part of me always wonders you know how this story would have would both of these stories have played out the same way like dr strange i don't think would have changed but would there have been a different dynamic when peter goes to him yeah and spider man no way home like would we would have would we have had um you know some of the things that we find out because we're still in not spoilers uh section i won't uh reference some things specifically but would that have played out exactly the same if we had gotten Uh, this movie before Spider-Man. So that's all interesting to think about. But I think coming back to the question of, you know, where am I at with Strange? You know, I love him as a character. I think, um, you know, I don't know that he's an exact Tony Stark replacement from, you know, he kind of, again, we talked about a lot of the similarities from a personality standpoint. Right. But, you know, if we're going into the multiverse, I think it makes sense with him kind of being, in the center. And I do think Cumberbatch is, you know, that good of an actor that he can kind of be someone that carries it. I think it'll be interesting to see now how his character evolves, because I would imagine kind of the Christine storyline. And again, not getting too much into spoilers is behind us. And so it'll be interesting with that behind us, kind of how his character evolves because Christine has always been, a huge part of the storyline both in the first one even in what if if you've watched mm-hmm. what if yep and more in so this in movie. this one yeah and and so um how that changes his character now that that's not kind of always on his mind to some degree
0: sure and you know the last thing i'll say about kind of like where we're at in the state of the mcu and whatever is i've heard a lot of people talking about how like oh it's hard to keep up oh, it's hard to keep up with the MCU or, or whatever. And I, I just, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier where it's just like, I feel like Marvel is being judged purely in a vacuum sometimes. And I, like, it, it's frustrating because this movie, and we'll get into our reactions to it, but, like, this movie is the 27th movie, I think. Um, and that's including the Spider-Man movies. And there's been a half a dozen, maybe a a couple more, you know, five to eight episode television shows. Right. Uh, And sometimes it's if you care enough about something, you will watch all of it. You know, people didn't have any issue watching every episode of Lost and they didn't have any issue watching any every episode of Game of Thrones or what have you. And that's a similar thing here. I don't understand the criticism of it's not that I don't understand it. I do understand it. But I don't necessarily feel the criticism of like, oh, I have to have seen all of the other movies like a valid criticism. Like if you're not into the MCU as much like that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think it's really a good criticism to say like, oh, the MCU is too big or it's too long or there's too much to pay attention to, because if you care enough about a particular story or you care enough about a particular IP, I guess, then it's it shouldn't be that hard to keep up with. I know you and I have kept up with everything fairly easily, you know, you know, it's, it's honestly not been that hard. And we've kept up with like the ancillary things too. Like back in the day when they did like the little Marvel one shots and things like that. Like, what do you think about that? Do you, are you finding it hard? I mean, you live a busier life than I do. You do all this coaching, you have three kids, you have a wife, you have a, way more hectic life than I do is it hard for you to keep up
1: yeah I think my mindset has always been you know as long as they give adequate space in between them because I think the I think the harder thing to keep up with is is the tv shows because the movies you know generally you know what we've had this our first movie of the year of the year uh, yeah because no way home
0: was was last year
1: yeah. And that came out in December, right? Right. So we've had five months in between movies. Our next one's coming out July. In yeah. Love and Thunder. Yeah. So we've got two months before that. Um, to me, five and two months is plenty of time to get out there and see it. And if you're someone who doesn't want to go out yet, um, then, yeah, you're you're probably going to be a little bit behind. But. <laughs> you kind of have to expect that. Um I think the TV shows are the ones that are a little bit more difficult because they only release one a week and if we're doing six episodes it's six weeks. But I think the the thing that they've done at least lately is that the show leading into whatever movie we get is not like critical to have seen before seeing that movie. So for instance, Moon Knight just wrapped up you know, last week, I think, or yeah. right before this came out, you don't need to have seen Moon Knight to see Dr. Strange. They have absolutely nothing to do with each other, at least at this point. Right. Um, Hawkeye was going on when, or just wrapping up when No Way Home came out. Right. You don't need to have seen Hawkeye to be able to go see Spider-Man No Way Home. And so... I think the same thing, I think last year WandaVision was going when, right before Shang-Chi came out or even in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the timing on that. You didn't need to see WandaVision to see Shang-Chi. So I think that is something that they've been sensitive of. That, you know, if you don't get to see this TV show that just finished right before this movie came out, you're fine. You can go back and watch it. It'll help your... You know, understanding and right. and kind of further storytelling, but like that's that's the one thing that I appreciate um, and has made it easier because I don't always get to watch the TV show from start to finish. All of the episodes prior to uh, a movie coming out and potentially seeing that movie, so I think that's that's been something that they've been sensitive of. Um, you know, I would argue the the TV shows you would have had to have watched maybe um before seeing this would be mm-hmm. Wandavision division and loki. kind of what if kind of what if yeah kind of what if and and kind of loki like i don't even think loki was mandatory no. for this um
0: and no way home
1: and and no way home but again all of those things you've had access to for at least five months right so uh if you can't keep up in five months you know, TV shows used to start their next season in about five months. So, right, (laughs) you know, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where I'm sorry, like I get it. (laughs) You you might be busy and you might not be able to keep up. But I think that's more than a reasonable amount of time.
0: Right. Which is, again, fine. Like if you are busy, if you are losing interest, like those are all perfectly fine criticisms, like those are all perfectly fine, like self-reflective, like you know, ah, I just don't have the time anymore or ah, I just didn't make it a priority or whatever, you know, stuff changes. Nothing wrong with that. But to say but to say that the problem is on Marvel, I don't know. I'm not necessarily here to defend the gigantic conglomerate. I'm just here to say as much as you've said, they've done a pretty decent job of staggering their releases and they've done a decent job of not only staggering those releases, but not having immediate releases after one another that directly affect one another. So it's been fairly easy to pay attention to now, with all that being said, David, how'd you like the movie? How'd you like Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness? This one's been around for a while Uh, back when it was announced, even the title was multiverse of madness and the implications of that title were getting people excited. And there was all of this talk about, Oh, because of the multiverse, and we could do hours on the multiverse, that means there's going to be all these cameos. That means you're going to see old characters come in, maybe characters from movies that aren't part of the MCU, and and all kinds of stuff that we'll talk about in spoilers. But how was the anticipation level for you, and how did you like it?
1: Yeah, I, well, anticipation level... I was pretty excited about it. I didn't do, you know, I'm not a spoilers person. So I try to to stay away from what's going to be in it. And, you know, I think by staying away from it and not reading too much on what could be in this, what does this mean, all that kind of stuff, like I don't carry as much expectations um, into it. I think one could argue like, because this kind of got pushed back, And because it's kind of been out there for a long time and some of the things that happened between it being announced and, and it being released, I think it allowed for a lot of hype as far as like, this is going to be in there. Like, we're going to get X-Men in here. We're going to get this in here. We're going to get that in here. And so I think there was a lot of hype. I didn't find myself necessarily coming in with those same expectations. Like I was just interested to see, like, I think Loki, you know opened up some fun you know concepts and and even even i would argue that uh spider-man into the spider-verse even though it's not the same you know universe per se per se that are that already introduced us to this concept of like a multiverse and like characters being different from universe to universe and even maybe portrayed by different people or or in the case of spider-verse pigs <laughs> um and so um I think that kind of got me excited about like okay how is how is Marvel going to do this because this is kind of the first time you know and I have Spider-Verse technically Marvel too but um you know how are they going to do it in this MCU ver, you know world that we've created because we've also seen it in things like the CW shows and what DC's done with the multiverse to some degree and so right. I was interested to see you know, it has the name multiverse in it. Like, how much are we going to explore into this? And so I was pretty excited about it, um, but I didn't have any expectations. I think as far as the movie itself, I I loved it. I think there's a lot of memorable parts to this movie that I really enjoyed. Um, I think it did a lot of things, you know, with Sam Raimi as the director, a lot of Sam Raimi things that I think were fun to see in a movie. I don't think I'd take it as far as saying like like when Thor uh Ragnarok came out, like it was such a big pivot for right, the Thor franchise. Um we had already started making Thor a little have a little bit more personality before that, but like it was a pretty major pivot for the Thor character. Yeah. Um and it was arguably the first comedy in in Marvel. And it was a lot of fun and it was, you know, obviously loved by most people and did fantastic in the box office. And so I think this was, you know, the first Marvel horror movie. Like I feel pretty comfortable saying like this was the Marvel horror movie. And, and so I think that's fun. I think the concept that we can tell these superhero movies and do it in a way other than what People come to expect. Like it still had the CGI, it still had the comic book stuff to it, but it had true horror movie aspects of it, which I think was really fun. And so it all worked for me. I'm sure there's things I can nitpick at it that we we might get into later, but on a on a general sense, I loved it.
0: Yeah, I the same. I mean, particularly, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. I am somebody who oftentimes leans way more towards, like, effort, you know, towards towards if they're trying something new, that usually gets more juice from me than if they actually executed it well enough or not. Um, and I I loved everything that was happening with this movie. It's interesting that you bring up Thor Ragnarok, because obviously, you, you know, you had just talked about this, how that movie came out and it was really fun. It was really funny. It was really irreverent. It was really sassy, And a lot of people responded to that, like, oh, my God, this is such a good time by doing something different. This movie does something different. And it's not people aren't exactly having a good time with it because there is like you said, this is there are parts of this movie that are legitimate horror scene movies. They're legitimate, like like pulled straight out of a horror movie sequences, even pulled straight out of a Sam Raimi movie. horror horror movie sequences. Um, And you can kind of see the audience reaction because the cinema score for this was, I believe, a B. It was a B, B plus, B minus. I can't remember. And usually anything less than an A is like, oh, audiences are pretty divided on this. And then anything less than a B is like, oh, audiences did not like this. Very rarely do you get like a D or an F in cinema score it's just kind of weird how they how they grade it um but horror is not everybody's bag and what they do in this movie with a lot of the characters is not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that makes me like it and appreciate it and respect it even more because so many people talk about the marvel formula so many people talk about the, oh it's the MCU it's MCU movie I mean I've even talked with people who brought their kids because it's an MCU movie and they brought their eight-year-old and their eight-year-old was like I don't like this <laughs> and while that is not great obviously and not a great experience for maybe those parents and those children boy does it make me love it even more like I just loved the swings that they took with this I love the way that they introduce certain characters and then pull the rug out from under you. Um, I really enjoyed the performances. Cumberbatch gets to do, and you see it in the trailer, but he gets to do, you know, three or four or five different versions of Dr. Strange. And I bet you that that's really fun as an actor. Now the trick is that they're not all really that different anyway. You know, it's all pretty much Dr. Strange is pretty much universally understood to be kind of a dick. Uh, (laughs) But like, I think that that was really f- cool of him. And I think that was really fun. And it's really fun, you know, seeing him bounce off not only characters like Wong, who is great. Benedict Wong is awesome as Wong uh, in this movie gets, gets more to do. But also characters like America Chavez, played by uh, uh, Soshi Gomez, um, who I had to look up YouTube videos on how to pronounce her name. Because the spelling is a disaster. That's for me as a straight white American male. I was just like, oh God. But Sochi Gomez is really good in this movie as America Chavez. As a kid, you always are worried about when you introduce kids into movies. Marvel's done a pretty good job of it. Like when they introduced Harley and in Iron Man 3, um, even the kids in Wandavision. Division. Um America Chavez in this. I'll be interested to see Miss Marvel, which is coming out in June on Disney Plus and how that works. But I really like the dynamic between um, America Chavez and Cumberbatch. You know, Rachel McAdams is given more to do as, as Christine in this movie. Uh tell LG4 gets to show up and be Mordo again for a little bit. They're all great. Like, they're great. They're good actors that are given comic book material to perform. But for me, like, Elizabeth Olsen crushes this movie and what she has to do with it. Um, I am a little bit tempted to not really talk much about Elizabeth Olsen and Scarlet Witch in this movie because of the trailers and because what might or might not be spoilers or things like that. So I'll kind of just leave it at that. Um how did you like the Sam Raimi of it all? You know, because Scott Derrickson was originally brought in to direct this movie. He wound up leaving due to creative differences, quote unquote. Sam Raimi comes in and there are direct sequences that mimic Evil Dead, that mimic dark man. There are zombie sequences. There are almost slasher movie sequences in this movie. This is easily one of the most violent, if not the most violent thing in the MCU, not counting the Netflix uh, Marvel shows. Um, How did you think Sam Raimi did coming in? Because Scott Derrickson came in, left, they brought Sam Raimi in. And as you said before, he really does get to shine through. You don't get to see that that often in Marvel movies. You don't get to see a director's particular style or flair bleed out sometimes. And I think we got it a lot here and I was really happy to see that. What about you?
1: Yeah, I... I think, um, you know, I think everything that he did worked. It it definitely was different. And, you know, again, I come back to kind of the Thor Ragnarok in that you can easily say like, wow, this is a pivot from what I'm used to, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work. And so um, yes, it was (laughs) more violent than we're used to. Yes. There's some things that we do in there that we'll talk about and, in spoilers that are unexpected or, or goes against some of the, the things that we've seen thus far. But I think none of that is a bad thing. And I think if, if you're, if you're worried about, you know, potentially, you know, I think cause some of the complaints have been around like this was a leap from where we were last with this character or like, you know, they, you know, this doesn't quite work because like, we haven't seen enough of this or those types of things. And, and I think, you know, Sam Raimi, I think going into it talked about how he hadn't watched everything Marvel. Like, I think he watched the original strange. I think he watched, I can't remember. I think he he named like three or four things that he watched, but that was it. And obviously Marvel has a whole lot. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, I think one of the challenges the MCU is going to have moving forward is just this level of baggage. If we keep trying to think about the 26 things or the 28 things that have come before, like if, if we're always trying to tie in pieces from everything of the past, then I think it's going to be, you know, you're going to be restricted. And so I think, you know, taking some of the jumps that he did and not necessarily having to have had a bunch of lead up that led us right to this point was not a bad thing because I think it brings more surprise. It brings more interest and Ooh, like we're going this direction. Like, I wonder what that means and, and things like that. And so I think the other thing is, is when you don't have that, I think the movie can stand alone a little bit better, like on its own is just, I really enjoyed this movie as a movie, not even necessarily that it fits into this big puzzle and i'm sure this obviously will fit into the big puzzle in a great way because feige's still running things and he's great at kind of putting all those pieces together but what i appreciated is i genuinely think even if i hadn't seen um all of the marvel movies like i still could have enjoyed this movie like yes you would have been coming in midstream with a bunch of characters that you've never met but like I had a great time with this movie. And even if, you know, I don't know exactly how it fits in with everything else. Like I still had a great time with it.
0: Yeah, I, I I did. And I had a great, I, I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I I love the playing around in the multiverse. I love that it was a fairly contained Dr. Strange adventure. Like this movie doesn't get, it doesn't lose weirdly. It doesn't lose the plot too much you know it doesn't get too crazy with the cameos you know most of the multiversal beings that we come into contact with or that we, we you know uh, are introduced to in this movie are just other Doctor Stranges and the way that they really isolate this story to be about that character and what that character represents across all their different universes I really enjoy it I, I am excited to see where it continues to go um, but I had a great time, and like I know that the violence isn't gonna be for everybody, I know that the horror aspects aren't gonna be for everybody, you know. People had a great time with Wandavision and they had a great time with Loki, and and now it's like, oh, we did something a little challenging, so but and, and obviously, like we're kind of keeping it vague, but uh we gotta talk spoilers, and before we talk spoilers we got to give our popcorn rating.
1: What's that noise? Popcorn. you making popcorn? Uh Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies.
0: Now, if you've never listened to the podcast before, we do our ratings a little bit differently. Instead of a thumbs up or stars or anything like that, uh, we do our popcorn ratings. Burnt popcorn means a movie is trash. Do not waste your time on it ever. Stale popcorn means it's not great. It's not ideal. If you absolutely have to watch something fine but it's not going to be very satisfying. Microwave popcorn is, your mileage may vary. Some people really enjoy microwave popcorn. Some people find it unsatisfying. So it is middle of the road, perfectly fine microwave popcorn. Movie theater popcorn is always pretty good. You should probably find some time to go see it in a large movie theater. And then, of course, perfect popcorn is go out, see this movie in the biggest theater that you can as soon as possible. David, what is your popcorn rating for doctor strange in the multiverse of madness
1: man i've been mulling over this and i'm between you know what i'm going i'm going perfect popcorn let's right. go
0: let's do it
1: i i was i was going to go uh, movie theater popcorn and and a soda that was that was the way i was leaning uh i think uh New friend of the podcast, a new listener, Dylan Ellis from my uh, track team asked me what what rating I was going to give it. And I think I told him movie theater, popcorn, and a, and a soda. But I think I'm going perfect popcorn. Again, I think I come back to whenever I'm thinking about the rating is what did I walk away? Like, how did I walk away from it? Did I walk away just enjoying it and loving talking about all the things that happened in there? Or did I walk away you know with like ah like i wish they would have done this or i wish they done would have done that i don't really have any real nitpicks on like the overall story and where where we went start to finish and so uh i think in that case there was lots of fun scenes and we're going to get into some of those some of our favorites here in a second but um yeah i'm going perfect popcorn
0: i'm going perfect popcorn as well and um and it wasn't that hard for me i mean listen as I sit here and I understand that this is not for everybody, I understand that for many people out there, this will be microwave popcorn. It may It is currently one of the more divisive films because the people who really like it really like it, and the people who don't like it have major, major issues with it. But for me and everything that I said, and this is my review, Perfect Popcorn, man. I loved it. I loved everything that it did. I I am... In the bag for it, Uh, a a big, big fan of what they did with Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Now, we got to talk spoilers, but before we do, let's take a quick break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider... Become a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it gonna help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also gonna give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course. We don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at the Popcorn Diet, And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, PopcornDietPodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, we're back, David. Spoilers abound, and I think the thing we got to talk about first and foremost, I mean, beyond, obviously, Scarlet Witch being the full-blown – No questions asked, villain of this movie, which is pretty awesome and not something that's really been done in the MCU before, taking a pre existing character and making them a full outright villain. I mean, it's the Illuminati. How do we not talk about the Illuminati now? For those of you who aren't familiar with Marvel history and Marvel lore and things like that, the Illuminati in the Marvel universe and the Marvel comic books, stuff like that, they are not the Illuminati that you think of when you hear Illuminati. They are not like the deep, dark society of, of, of super rich, powerful people controlling the world. Uh, They are basically, it's basically another group. It's another group like the Avengers or the Guardians of the Galaxy. And what they are is they are made up of, in the comics, they are made up of a a bunch of different heroes from different multiverses. So, you know, the uh, Iron Man from one multiverse and the... um, Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards from another multiverse and things like that. They change it a little bit here. From my understanding, it seems as if all of the characters in the Illuminati are from this same one universe that they visit. But we get, I mean, we get John Krasinski as Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic, something that people fan casting has been asking for forever. We get Anson Mount returning as Black Bolt uh, redeeming himself from the terrible ABC Inhumans television show. We get Lashana Lynch as a different version of Captain Marvel. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Lashana Lynch was Brie Larson's friend back in the 90s in the Captain Marvel movie. And in this, in this universe, she is the one who got the powers. We get Captain Carter. We get Peggy Carter from What If? Uh, and then we get Patrick Stewart of course, as reprising Professor Charles Xavier, this time in his comic-accurate yellow wheelchair, introduced with very familiar music from the X-Men cartoon series, which I might be the thing that blew my mind the most, was the fact that they used the X-Men cartoon series music. Um, and then we are introduced to all of these really cool characters as they hold the tribunal for Doctor Strange, and then they are all brutally, violently murdered by Wanda. And I loved every second of it. I love that they did all of these things. Like, and the fans, even in the theater, the fans were like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, there were a lot of oohs and ahs. And then Wanda straight up tells Reed Richards, like, like, oh, is your wife alive? And he says, yeah. And she goes, like, good. Your kids will have somebody to raise them. Like that. That is crazy and she like blows up at least two heads it's the crazy it's um incredible i i loved what they did with that how, how what do you what do you think about the illuminati how do you feel about it
1: well first and foremost i i loved the cameos i think it was great i didn't need more of them from that standpoint this is the doctor strange movie mm-hmm. so i didn't need the focus to shift from strange to these new characters you know new but old characters in that sense and so to me carrying them on too long would have distracted from the point that this is a scarlet witch and strange and you know i think anything more would have would have been really distracting i think we would have been thinking about you know those characters more than What the true plot of this movie was, which was around Wanda and which was around Strange. And so I thought it was great. I thought it was very, you know, in line with what we were talking about from a horror movie, that standpoint. It did have uh it did bring back memories of Suicide Squad with the the intro scene where we get the intro for all these random heroes like the javelin and all those types of things. Then we go to the beach and they're all dead. Um, yeah. So it it did have a lot of similarities to that, which, by the way, was one of my favorite parts of Suicide Squad. So um, I enjoyed that scene just like I enjoyed this scene. Um, I think the other thing it does is I think it gets us prepared a little bit for even more so for the multiverse in the sense that like you can make these bold decisions to some degree to kill off characters. Because it's just one of many, many multiverses. Like, does not mean you're never going to see that character again? Like, and we're so used to just this one storyline in the MCU that we had for 20 plus movies where like, no, don't let Cap die. Like, then I'll never see Chris Evans again. Or don't let Tony Stark die. I'll never see Tony Stark or, you know, those types of things. And so we've gone from this mode of like, you know, really being invested in your characters living to, you know, I think even to some degree, like Wanda's, you know, or the Scarlet Witch's like mentality. Like if you know back home in the world that you actually live in, there's a character that maybe you have a relationship or, you know, is there that is alive and well, like, I'm not saying like it's easy to kill them, but like, you don't necessarily care for this one. Like you care for the one back in your own world, right. um, you know, because you don't have a relationship. They may be different, you know, It's just with strange inter, uh, interacting with, uh, what's his name, you know, not knowing, like, does he like me on this planet or oh, doesn't he, Mordo. or in this multiverse yeah. with Mordo. And so, um, just like that, like, I think, uh, he had very similar feelings or lack of caring for Mordo that he did uh, obviously back in, in the world that we, we started with. And so uh, I enjoyed all of that. Um, I will agree with one of the nitpicks and that the way that Krasinski did Mr. Fantastic maybe doesn't feel quite as Mr. Fantastic-y and feels more, uh, more John Krasinski-y sure. in the sense of like, you know, he seemed a little too empathetic, a little too nice, like, and not enough, like, douchey or like, you know, I'm kind the of a smartest
0: dick. man in the world,
1: exactly. Like, he didn't quite have enough arrogance to him. I think John Grzynski could easily go there if he wanted to, sure. But in this representation, I don't think there was enough of it. But, um, I was a fan of it, it was a lot of fun. I thought, you know, it brought a lot of the fun, shock, and awe to that scene. I brought it, I think it brought a lot of the true intensity of like, you know, we've always talked about how in the comics and we've referenced this at times that like Scarlet, Witch is legit. One of the most powerful mutant or not mutants, but characters in the MCU, even though like, you know, seeing Elizabeth Olsen and the way that she's been used to some degree doesn't always give off that vibe that that's the case. Um, I think this really showed like how powerful she is. And obviously some of this had to do with the Darkhold, but like she's always had this capability. Um, obviously this is just it unleashed.
0: Yeah. It's um, you know, and again, like Black Bolt has his mouth sealed and you Black Bolt's powers are that his voice is capable of creating immense amounts of destruction like basically a sonic boom voice and Wanda like seals his mouth and he tries to say something and blows his own brains out. And his head literally like pops, like expands and then like sinks in. And it's one of the most violent things I've ever seen in the MCU. And then same thing with John Krasinski. Like he turns, she turns uh, Mr. Fantastic into spaghetti noodles and then his head pops cuts captain carter in half like with her shield and you don't see it you see like drug blood dripping from the shield but you don't see like her like corpse or anything did you think it was too violent did you think it was the right amount of violent i'm an adult man and i loved how violent it was <laughs> I mean, and i love that I, I mean i love that it set up this fan service and then just obliterated it even though as you bring up a good point which is like doesn't mean Mr. Fantastic can't show up again in another movie, you know?
1: Absolutely. We basically have endless possibilities at this point. Like I'm not saying like every movie lacks the same level of repercussions that it used to, but in a lot of ways it does. Like the death of a character in a movie does not mean necessarily the death of a character in the ability for us to see more of them. Um, And so I think that just changes and shifts things a lot. But as far as it being too violent, I don't think so. I mean, let's, let's remember like this movie's PG 13. Like I know ratings aren't what they used to be in the sense of like, I feel like people don't pay attention to ratings as much anymore. Maybe they do when you're younger, but like, sure. I mean, I, I know of kids well under 13 that watch Marvel movies. Like I haven't, introduced it with my kids yet i'm sure they've watched some of them but you know i wouldn't take my six-year-old to this movie right and that's because i know he's probably not ready for it but i wouldn't take him to any of the avengers movies i take him to sonic the hedgehog and and bad guys and things like that so right um yes i think this is too violent for someone probably you know under the age of Thirteen, but that's why it says PG thirteen. Like, yep, you need a parent if you're not under thirteen, or if you're under thirteen. So, exactly. Um, from that standpoint, I don't think it's too violent. I think, you know, I'm sure some people feel that way because they're used to a lot of these movies. Maybe you could take someone under that age. I would argue that. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Just because it's not violent, does it mean it's yeah. it's not still too adult for? For an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or those types of things, but this one definitely, probably would give your kid nightmares.
0: Yeah, I mean it probably would, and and to your point, like PG-13 has there the there are wide swaths of PG-13. I mean, Jurassic Park was PG-13, and you know that movie has severed limbs in it. You know, like yeah, and, and you know we won't turn this into a ratings discussion, but I've always found it funny how like. Oh, you have two F words, you're a rated R now. You know, it could be just uh, it could be literally just this, it could just be an hour and a half conversation. But if you have two F words in it, you're you're rated R. But That's why
1: we have the explicit thing on our uh exactly, on our podcast because you cause never
0: know when I Rick, might Rick
1: loses uh control every once in a while. Maybe
0: once in a while I'll <laughs> say I'll say an F-word. Oh boogeyman F-word, but like that. Is so different than, you know, nudity, which I'm not even going to get into how the, I think it's messed up the dynamics between nudity and violence are so reversed where we can literally have people being obliterated. We can have all types of gunfights and explosions and people getting shot and all that stuff. But the second you show a boob, oh, Oh, we got a rated R. But yeah, this is a PG-13 movie. Like, this is actually what a PG-13 movie should be. A little bit more challenging, a little bit more violent, a little bit more scary, a little bit more intense, a little bit more adult, you know, but without, you know, with not without the things that, you know, make these movies fun and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed it. What were some of the favorite parts of this movie? I loved how, like... um the first fight with the giant octopus monster who that has a name that i just don't remember uh because it's giant octopus monster like what do you want from me um, i think that's
1: fine i think that's a good <laughs> definition for it it's
0: giant octopus monster like when doctor strange takes a light post and impales the eye and then pulls the eye out i was just like oh I am now aware of what kind of movie we're dealing with. Like this movie's gonna be nice. <laughs> this movie's gonna be gross. Big fan of that. Um, I love that. I thought that was like a great moment to like, oh, this is gonna be a little bit weirder. What were some of your favorite sequences in the movie? Because there's a lot of really great sequences in this movie, a lot of great set pieces that I think Raimi brings that horror aesthetic to uh, a little bit more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely enjoyed the opening fight and Wong showing up. And, you know, there's just such fun chemistry and back and forth between Wong and uh, and Strange. So really enjoyed that opening fight. Um, I enjoyed the the reflection scene, which I think was, to me, like, when we really dipped into, like, this is a horror movie, like the first, like, we're getting into, like, some true, like, horror tropes. Yeah, in a lot of sense, um, when you see like hand pop out and like her face show up in some different spots, and then crawling out, you know, kind of a la the ring, um, that was all just a lot of fun to me. Like, you know, that's when I was like, okay, like we are in a horror movie. And I think I didn't, you know, because I'm not the biggest horror movie fan. And so like, if this was an actual horror movie, I would probably be very uncomfortable in that scene. But I think knowing that this is a Marvel movie, like for whatever reason, despite like objectively what they were doing was very creepy and and scary. Like I didn't find myself having those same, that same anxiety mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, this is a Marvel movie. And so um, I felt like I enjoyed it more than maybe I would enjoy a horror movie, but I thought that scene was was really memorable and a lot of fun.
0: The different Sam Raimi-isms of it all, right? So there's they introduced the concept of dreamwalking where you uh, can project your consciousness, I guess, into another version of your multiversal self. And when Wanda first does that, it is straight up POV, handheld POV, such as the Demon and ent- demonic entity in Evil Dead looking for a body to, uh, to possess. And I was just like, oh, that's Evil Dead. When Doctor Strange turns into a zombie, the fact that they do it with practical makeup, like, yeah, of course there's CGI, but I love the fact that Cumberbatch is like game to get into zombie makeup, number one. Like, I just respect that from like a behind the scenes type way. And two, there that he's straight up having a conversation with America Chavez with like half his face ripped off reminded me very much of dark man because dark <laughs> half of dark man's face is ripped off um i just love that kind of stuff i thought it was awesome i thought obviously the illuminati scene was whack um or was uh was was uh i mean that's like a significant, it's like a th- whole 30 minute sequence it's not like they just show up and then die like they get you know, a decent amount of screen time and conversation, and they're definitely too cocky for their own good because then they just get absolutely wiped. Um, yeah. But that reflection scene, too, uh, where they trap Wanda in the mirror dimension.
1: Yeah. Again, an incredible
0: uh, horror sequence.
1: Absolutely. Um, I agree with the zombie strange. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, I enjoyed him turning the uh the souls or whatever they were into his, uh, Cape. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was Um, awesome. And then I think, I think probably the coolest scene though, in the whole movie was the, the music note fight with the, uh, Oh yeah. With the other strange in the, in the one that was uh, in that world that had, uh, what do you call it? The collapsing, dimension
0: yeah it was just another it was uh, converging conventions yeah it's called something it's called like it's called like an, an in I can't even remember what it's called um but the creativity not only of that sequence where they're literally pulling musical notes off of the paper and throwing them at each other and then the music is that is playing during like classical music is playing during the fight it's just awesome just like really creative, like a really, really creative sequence overall that then ends with Dark Doctor Strange being impaled on a fence, which, again, is incredibly violent. Like, that's how I'm one proud of, the, of you. It's, it's, they literally I just watched The Rock the other night. I saw one of the bad guys dies in The Rock. And I was just it's PG-13 movie. Cool. We're going to impale him on a fence. Awesome. And I'm just like, let's go. I'm here for it. I love it. Incursion is the word I was looking for where there was an incursion and uh, the universe has collapsed on one another. That was the word I was looking for. But it, this is really cool. Really cool. And and I also love the end because the end reminded me a lot of Drag Me to Hell because the, the Sam Raimi movie Drag Me to Hell ends very intense moment and then it just ends and it's like oh my god what are we doing Mm -hmm. this movie ends similarly where dr strange starts growing a third eye which the evil dr strange had because he'd been messing with dark magic and dr strange had to mess with dark magic it doesn't quite line up with the mid credit sequence at like it doesn't line up with the mid credit sequence at all because then dr strange just seems like he's chilling and then Power Ranger ass looking Charlize Theron pops out and is like, "We need to go to the dark dimension because you caused an incursion." And Doctor Strange is just like, "Cool, oh yeah, I'm in. We're off to the next adventure." Doesn't quite match up exactly right with it, but I re- I like that ending too. I really like that.
1: Yeah. So no, I agree. I think I think uh, I think it'll be fun to see. You know, obviously where we go with this. I mean, just because you've you have that influence or that effect from the dark hold doesn't necessarily mean that you're bad and i think you know with that you know even with wanda like i don't know about you but i don't think wanda's gone um forever like when she when she did that basically destroying of the dark hold i don't necessarily mean think that necessarily means she's gone both in the literal sense of like wanda from that world i'm not necessarily sold that she's dead and two we obviously could get wanda from any dimension if we brought her back in that sense so i don't necessarily think this is the last we've seen of elizabeth olsen is what i'm getting
0: Yeah, no, not at all. Not by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) Uh, She's a thousand percent coming back. Her story is not over. And that's kind of the other thing, like, and that's kind of shifting to the last part of the conversation, which is like a lot of people have been talking about there's, oh, well, we don't know what we're building to, right? Because we got so used to building towards Thanos and Infinity War and Endgame and stuff like that. I honestly, am just like, I don't understand why people can't just be taken for the ride because the previous three phases, you know, if you go back and you watch them again, yeah, there is now connection, but back when they were being released, there wasn't, you know, we, the phase one, the entirety of phase one was very loosely connected with, with the stingers and things like that. But like the Avengers had Loki as a villain that it revealed Thanos you know, we didn't even learn about Infinity Stones yet. You know, the Cosmic Cube was the Cosmic Cube. And and that was it. You know, uh, Phase 2 still disconnected, but introducing the idea of the Infinity Stones. Obviously, everybody teaming up for Ultron. More teasing of Thanos in Guardians of the Galaxy and at the end of Ultron. And then Phase 3 was all like, okay, it's all leading to this. Everything we get now is leading to Infinity War and Endgame. And Is it too much to ask audiences to expect a similar disconnection that then winds up getting funneled into a more, you know, specific thread once all the players are laid out?
1: Yeah, I think I think people have to remember outside of the Avengers movies, there wasn't really any connections from movie to movie with all of these. I mean, there was some times where you had someone join and I would argue outside of maybe, but even even, uh, Civil War, like while it involved a ton of them, it wasn't really, it had nothing to really do with Thanos in in that sense. And so, yes, it brought them together, but it wasn't about the bigger storyline. And so I think because we got, um, our last two Avengers kind of in two parts and it was a huge build-up, and it was a huge conversation. I think there's a come down from that, right? Of like, okay, now they're all kind of going their separate ways and have their own separate storylines again. But because we built up to that for so long and then right. had such a big payoff in the form of two very long movies in the course of two years, like we kind of it's easy to kind of forget that like oh yeah like everything wasn't all connected before and so we're going back into that like we're telling our different stories here I mean let's kind of I'll I'll speed round through kind of where we are with each of our characters and like it's pretty obvious there's not a ton of connections right now like Winter Soldier and Falcon or Falcon and the Winter Soldier slash you know Captain America now Sam yeah. Sam's the new Captain America. Bucky's kind of made his amends and is kind of that sidekick with with, uh, with Sam. We learned that Sharon Carter is bad. Agent Walker's now the U.S. agent. And we've got kind of Valentina yep. sitting somewhere in the background. Like, that's kind of where we left from that series. Yep, Julia Loki Dreyfus
0: is putting something together. You know, we're getting there.
1: Yeah, Loki. Remember, Loki technically died in... <laughs> Yeah. in Endgame, and we brought him back, and then he broke the universe, and we've got this whole He Who Remains variance that we introduced at the end of Loki that we don't really know what that means. Uh, Vision is technically dead, but we also brought in White Vision during WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Marvel, you know, obviously we saw her last in Endgame, um and she you know we've always assumed even after her movie that she's just kind of out there supposedly taking on different conflicts in different places in the universe right um but we saw like scrolls show up at the end of wandavision um and talking to rambo and so we don't know necessarily how that all connects and then obviously iron man tony stark r.i.p right except you know we introduced him a few times in what if um Black Widow, Scarjo. Black Widow is is R.I.P. But we've got uh, Florence Pugh. Is she the next Black Widow? Also, she's got that connection with Valentina. So you know, maybe there's potential for some kind of crossover between what we had happening in you know Winter Soldier and and Falcon and Sam and you know Hawkeye. We've got some of that connection because of Florence Pugh's. Belova character, Black Widow character. You know, Hawkeye's retired with his family as Kate Bishop, the new Hawkeye. You know, we we know we've got young Avengers hanging out there potentially, but we also introduced this concept of Flora Barton and her Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. past that right. we got at the end of Hawkeye. Like, what does that mean to all of this? Uh, Thor, you know, from the previews, we see like Hippie Thor and he's hanging out with the Guardians. That's where we last left him off is that he you know, went off with them. And that same thing with the Guardians, you know, last we saw them was in end game, uh, but obviously where that's going to change here very soon in July Hulk, you know, last we saw him, he kind of had found that balance. I don't know. Do you remember? I don't remember any kind of definitive what Hulk is doing.
0: No, I mean, we Endgame. got she Hulk, like she Hulk is coming.
1: Yep. So one, one could assume we're going to hear about Banner and She-Hulk. Um, Black Panther character is technically out there back in Wakanda after right. Endgame. Right. But we obviously know with Chadwick Boseman's passing, um, he's not going to be back. So is Shuri the next Black Panther? Right. You know, we've got Black Panther 2 coming out um, here in the near future. Captain America still hanging out there somewhere in the past with Peggy. <laughs> uh Valkyrie is the leader of New Asgard. We saw her in the Thor trailer. The Defenders are all in NYC. We saw Daredevil in Spider-Man still doing his lawyer thing. Ant-Man in the Wasp. We assume are back in San Francisco. We know Cassie Lang's going to come in the Young Avengers. Spider-Man from what happened in No Way Home. We believe no one knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yep. So we're back to kind of that dynamic that who is Spider-Man? you know, and are we going to just kind of take a step back? And is Spider-Man going to be a Sony property that is just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Like, is he going to be in the Avengers anymore with Tom Holland? Like I think a lot of that's somewhat unknown. Um, And then obviously Scarlet Witch um, ended here. Anybody I miss that we, (laughs) that we didn't catch up on where we're at, but I mean, looking across that outside of this, like Valentina storyline, Right. And the fact that Thor's hanging with the Guardians. Right. And then kind of the, the seed that we planted with the scrolls at the end of WandaVision, which wasn't really tied to Wanda. It was more tied to Rambo. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot of connections right now that we've seen yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's not even include. I mean, those are all the pre-existing characters. That's not even including new characters. We're going to be getting like Adam Warlock and She-Hulk um like um miss marvel uh all of the other work that that'll is getting put in you know um yeah and and there's
1: assumptions there's assumptions we could make like we would assume she hulk might bring back banner and right and his hulk we could assume that uh uh what were the ones you just listed uh
0: miss marvel um miss
1: marvel we could assume that that would involve captain marvel and we know the marvels are going to come out at some point and so we could assume that that would bring back brie larson in in some form potentially. yeah um so yeah i mean there's 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 places that you could definitely see but i think you're also now we've got hanging out there this whole concept of what are we going to do with the x-men Exactly. We know there's going to be a Fantastic Four at the end of this phase. We just saw Charlize Theron, Theron as a uh, Clea. What's yep. that going to mean? We have, you know there's I mean, a we Kang didn't the even Conqueror movie. We
0: didn't even talk like, about Shang-Chi, you know, the Eternals. Yeah. Like, all of them are still lurking yeah. about. You know, we got Harry Styles yeah, I out mean, there we, in we, space.
1: We had a pretty major ending to the Eternals with <laughs> a God being uh, <laughs> in the Earth. Yes. Like we haven't really wrapped up. What does that mean? <laughs> and all of that. So there's a lot of kind of threads hanging out there. And I I understand people getting impatient because, you know, it took a lot of time for the Thanos thread to be tied up. Like if you look back on it now, but in the moment, I don't think any of us were anxious and complaining about like, how does this connect or why doesn't this connect to this or why doesn't it connect to that because we had an experience that i think there's a baggage of having seen them connect everything together that we have this expectation but we forget that it took like 15 years yeah. for it to really all come together and guess what you might have to wait another 15 years for it all to come together you might you might need to but like the,
0: that's what makes it so fun And that's what it's like, oh, I don't know where they're getting to. Well, then wait for the next story. Like, just because you can't see the path doesn't mean anything. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. So I'm very excited. We're getting Miss Marvel in June. We're getting Thor in July. We are getting, I mean, we are getting... Technically, we're supposed to be getting Black Panther in November. I don't even know if that movie's done shooting. Like, I'm not sure. Uh, we get Ant Man and Guardians and the Marvels in 2023, and then that's kind of all we know about. Because we know they're gonna we know we know they're gonna make a Fantastic Four movie. We know that Blade is in the future. There are some untitled Marvel films and things of that nature. And then we're getting, Miss, like I said, Miss Marvel in June. We're getting She-Hulk this year. We're getting What If Season 2 this year. We're getting Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special in December. And then we're supposed to be getting Secret Invasion this year. But they just announced a bunch of other shows, too. They announced Armor Wars and Echo and Ironheart and Agatha House of Harkness. So there's, I don't know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's too much. I, I love it. I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm, I like the storytelling of Marvel, so I'm excited too. I think
1: I think people have to realize too that not everything that comes out is going to be all like we're not heading towards a Thanos where like every property that we have out there is going to be involved in the ending. Like I don't think that's the way that Disney is going, no, um, and Marvel is going. Like I think you will have things that happen in this world that may may connect to other characters in this world, but don't connect to, you know, the big bad of wherever we're going. Like some people think it's maybe Kang. Some people, you know, think there's other theories out there, but like, I don't think necessarily Agatha is going to have anything to do with the big ending. You know, maybe she does. Maybe it's a side thing. Like, She doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with everything else. Um, You know, secret invasion doesn't necessarily have to have some big tie in to where we end up eight movies later. Like I think we're used to that being the case, but now with the fact that we're doing TV shows and movies, like I think we have to understand that like everything's not all necessarily going to be leading to, one thing like it did previously
0: and and i have always said i said this about game of thrones and i'll say this about marvel i say this about any storytellers that are out there like i am i am excited to let the storytellers tell the story that they want to tell take me on this journey with you i say that foggy cook like Feige Cook, I don't, I'm not demanding anything. I have no expectations. I don't need a special extended cut, but I will watch it if you give it to me. I'm, I'm cool. I'm excited for this journey. I do not need to try and prognosticate. I do not get frustrated. I get excited about, oh, I don't know where this is going. That's exciting. Like that is much more exciting to me than I know exactly where this is going, because that point in time, I know exactly where this is going. That moment is exciting and you build anticipation, but you don't do that at the beginning of the story. You do that. You do that in phase three, as they did before. So I'm excited for more. Obviously, we're going to be getting a lot more. Uh, that is going to do it. But before we go, I want to remind you all again that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet sent to you just by hitting the subscribe button, or hitting that follow button wherever you listen. Take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with your other good movie buddies out there. We also don't want you to forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash popcorn diet. Consider supporting an independent film podcast. You know, a couple of guys who love movies talking about movies. If you like what we talk about, throw us a dollar or two uh patreon.com slash the popcorn diet of course we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on facebook on twitter on instagram at the popcorn diet and last but certainly not least you can find all of our latest regular episodes articles and more on our website popcorndietpodcast.com but from the canadian machine mr david melhorn i am your very best good movie buddy rick williamson and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the popcorn diet adios